0: You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. We got an early start
1: to spring this year. Um, a lot of good things about that. It's great to be back on the field with the players. Uh, it's been really energizing, invigorating, having some of the new faces that we have around, the coaching staff and on the team. Uh, this going to be a lot of hard work and a lot of good things happening, but there's a lot of work left to do. Um, A lot of pieces don't make a good team. You got to bring those pieces together and make a good team and we have a long way to go uh, in that regard. But uh, it's been a lot of fun being around the guys again and uh, they were really anxious to get started. So it it was a good start to spring.
0: I think he's the best one right now. Might change tomorrow. There's nothing set in stone, but yeah, Casey and uh, Chuba got a little bit of a nick, so he didn't get much. Logan's done a good job. Those three Heinrichs, all those kids have done a really good job. Just, just the way Casey's gone about his business and things that way, and you know, he was the best guy in, in the skelly stuff that they did on air. I, I didn't get to see it, but you know, I had those guys give me their stats and what they did. So, mm. you know, so but we, we've got we've got enough. What I saw today, attitude-wise and talent, that we've got enough there to be more than successful.
1: And welcome here to this edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, spring football is here. We get to talk about a Nebraska basketball winning streak. And we'll hear from Abby Barmore um, later on in the show in the mailbag. Uh, But let's get right to spring practice, Robin. Um, They're going to go six practices here before spring break. Um, and, and, you know, then things will kind of uh, slow down to the week off. But um, they'll they'll end their final six practice with a scrimmage. They get two scrimmage days. That will be one of their days, like three counting the red-white game. But um, everybody wants to know, quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. And I, I think we all, like, want this drawn-out battle with, you know, drama. And, and, and it, it is to an extent. But, you know, I, I can appreciate Mark Whipple just being so blunt about it. He's like, Who's the starting quarterback? Casey Thompson. Why? Be- be- <laughs> well, because he had the best winner. How do you know? Well, they track all the throws and he had the best throw. I mean, like, I, I appreciate just how blunt and honest he was, Robin, mm-hmm. about where it's at. Because why shouldn't it be Casey Thompson? He's the only guy that has extensive starting Power 5 experience. Logan Smothers has one game starting. Mm-hmm. Joe Purdy's never started a game. So it shouldn't be a surprise to anybody that Casey Thompson took that first stat for Nebraska That's what he was brought in to do.
2: Yeah, I get like wanting to at least create the uh, uh, illusion or atmosphere of competition uh, just to keep guys motivated and try to, you know, just see what happens with the rest of your quarterback room. But yeah, I mean, right now, I think uh, you, I and a lot of other people would be very surprised if Casey Thompson was not the starter week one. And you know, another part to it, I'm sure with frost is for one, that's how he's always operated You know, he's always tried to keep things secret close to the vest, but especially in a year like this, when there is so much new jobs uh, of the line. Yeah. Well, yeah. And you know, you're playing a conference game (laughs) to open the year. Why not keep as many, aspects about your offense and personnel a secret uh to give northwestern as little time as possible to prepare for what they're going to see uh, out in dublin you know that, that that you can so i think there's a strategy behind it um and again i think that's just always how frost operates but i agree Having not whipple be just at least uh Crazy Thompson. yeah forthcoming just to, to give us the basic bare bones of who took the first snap in the first practice was was
1: uh uh, refreshing to say the least. That was my Mark Whipple, by the way. It's good. I'm getting it. He, he had <laughs> another really fun and he goes, Oh, and by the way, guys, I am in charge of the weather this week. Like he just, he just has kind of like an old man, you know, sense of humor. Just, just the old guy that, you hang out with in the, in the, in the, in the cafe or, you know, in
2: at the clubhouse on the, on the course after the, after a round, you know, he's holding court. I could see that.
1: And I, well, he needs a golfer too, I guess. I mean, he has a second home. I mean, he lives in Phoenix. That's his permanent residence um, where his house is. Um, but you hear a lot of people actually compare him to like a version of Charlie McBride, just a,
0: hmm.
1: you know, just a guy that's confident. That's blunt. He's seen a lot of football. And this is exactly what Scott Frost wanted. It's what he needed. He needed somebody around him that knows more about the game of football than he does.
2: I agree. And And he did not have that before. No. Obviously. It it
1: took him away from running the team when you didn't have people maybe – next to you that knew as much or more than you
2: yeah like when they're running the offensive meetings and scott doesn't really need to be there because whipple's got it you know and so he can go venture off and check in with the special team and with the defense and all that sort of stuff so um, this whole idea of him taking on more of a ceo role uh, is being made possible because of mark whipple in my opinion and just the The trust that he immediately commands to do what you're supposed to do and do it uh, as effectively as anybody on this staff, just because of the wealth of experience and and success that he's had in his career.
1: You're listening here to the Huskar Line Show as we talk opening headlines here uh, from spring practice. A lot of guys injured. Uh, that's every spring everywhere in the country when people have surgeries at the end of the year. Um, you know, go, kind of going through the list. No Richard Torres at quarterback. No Travis Volkolek at tight end. I believe Chancellor Brewington's also out or limited. Then you have Turner Corcoran uh, and Teddy Prohaska on the O line, not available this spring on defense. Casey Rogers, that's a big one uh, because they're really counting on him, um, especially with the depth that they have on that defensive line right now. Inside linebacker, a lot of guys beat up. Garrett Nelson, not Garrett Nelson, Garrett Snodgrass is out, as is Luke Reimer. Those two guys are out, which means uh, Ativa Magua Clements is starting on the inside. And that's something I don't think anybody could have projected about three months ago when Will Honus was supposed to be back and, and you had a number of other guys here. So that jumps out. Omar Brown, Robin not available this spring, the Northern Iowa transfer. Um, so there are some key people, you know, key pieces to the puzzle uh, that won't be out there uh, over the course of spring ball.
2: And we get asked a lot about uh, Javin, Wright um, With Buddha. Buddha. Uh, I mean, he's, He's practicing, right? I mean, yeah, as far as a, I know. To some extent. Like yeah, out, he's out
1: there. And he, everyone wants to say, like, who's in the uh, JoJo role? And mm-hmm. I don't know if – I mean, there's going to be guys that do some of that. But I think
2: you're going to have an outside linebacker and you're going to have a nickelback. That's what it's going to be. There's not going to be that one hybrid type guy. And I think they, guys, they have guys that could potentially play that against certain personnel. Like Isaac Gifford can. But there is no JoJo on this team. There are very few JoJo's in college football. So, I mean, to say, like, who's the next JoJo, I don't think that's fair to – However, they choose to replace that. I think it's going to be situational to where against bigger personnel, maybe a Chris Kolarovic gets some look there against more pass heavy Isaac Gifford or, or whoever uh, more of a defensive back fills that role. Can
1: you imagine Jojo like on some of those Pelini defenses? Oh yeah.
2: In that peso in the role. The Eric Hag type role. I mean,
1: Haig was really good, but Jojo is, Every bit is good, and he'll be drafted higher than Haig and Gomes were. And those, I saw him
2: projected in the third round on a mock.
1: And ha- Haig was, what, fifth or sixth mm-hmm. round? I mean, he was picked, um, but didn't really make it in the league. Yeah, he
2: played special teams for a while, but that was about I,
1: it. I think JoJo runs better than he does. Well, and he's bigger. And, and I mean, so, yeah, he's 2, what, 230?
2: Yeah, and he played at 230. So, you know, I guess uh, we'll, we'll see how they go about filling those shoes. But, again, I just don't see one player on this roster being able to mm-hmm. do – everything that joe joe doman did just because he was such a rare
1: athlete you're listening here to the husker online show uh, as we wrap up big pictures and and, and big headlines here um from the opening press conference and they really did lay it out nice robin um instead of kind of piece parceling out access here this first week where we go over all three days and do interviews after and let's be completely transparent we don't see any practice Mm -hmm. Uh, we don't watch practice we don't watch warm-ups right now it's just strictly interviews and so we we got like three hours to interview everybody, which I would venture to guess nobody in the country had a setup like we did this week. Um, so props to Keith Mann and his staff for putting together through a great event. Um, but boy, I mean, a lot came out of that.
2: Yeah. And so, you know, later in the show, we're going to go down, dissect offense. We're going to dissect defense, but you know, one of the bigger storylines is they have a full-time special teams coordinator now uh, that is handling that element of the game. And, Bill Bush, uh, was as advertised. I mean, that dude just commands the room. Um, he brings such a, um, energy and enthusiasm to what he does. Uh, you know, I think that he is really going to change the entire dynamic of how Nebraska addresses that area. Um, you know, obviously their personnel upgrades are going to have an impact, but, uh, I was Really impressed with how Bill handled himself and just, just the way that he talked about what needs to happen to make Nebraska better at special
1: teams. All right. Well, when we come back, we're going to talk offensive storylines. We're going to handle that offensive line in Donovan Riola first. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So, US Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five that's right a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us you're listening to the husker online show your authority on nebraska athletics it was my
0: favorite college football team we'd wake up at 6 a.m in hawaii and you know, be cheering our asses uh, off for, <laughs> really? for us to. Oh yes, you know, it was like. And
2: I remember um, Dom's redshirt freshman year. You know, they played at
1: A&M and lost a tough game. I think it was like 28-21, 20, and I felt like it was the end of the world. You know, You know, I was like, you know, and and ever since then I always followed Nebraska football. Even though I went to Wisconsin, I always followed Nebraska football because of that. It was that special to us. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. And, Robin, that was Donovan Riola, the offensive line coach, who I must say gave a much better yeah. <laughs> second interview than his first. And I, I, I kind of gave some more thought. I, I think he realized the first interview wasn't very good. But I also think on the second interview, a lot of the more main media people were involved in that one. You had guys like me and Sipple and others, Sam. I mean, I feel like the first time we talked – the everybody in terms of the the front the front line guys were involved on Whipple and Joseph and nobody really even got to Raiola. And I did I just think he for some reason was more comfortable with the way the questions were asked to him and you heard him talk about how much he loved Nebraska and how much Nebraska has always meant to him. And I'm glad he got that out because we just didn't really even know that. We we're like, oh this is a guy that probably At one point was probably upset he wasn't offered by Nebraska and went to Wisconsin, uh, but he's always wanted this job. He's always wanted to be back at Nebraska. It was really cool. Dominic Riola, his brother, uh, the All-American, was here. uh, The Remington Award winner and Hall of Famer was here for practice um, on the first day and kind of an extra set of eyes for his little brother. Um, So I'm excited to see how that comes together.
2: Yeah. And I think having a guy like that for, you know, obviously what he's going to bring in terms of his, his coaching X's and O's and all that sort of stuff. Um, but just to have that inherent, um, passion about the program is a really big deal. you get that with Mickey Joseph, um, you obviously get that with Bill Bush. I mean, so the, the new staff they brought in, a lot of them, uh, go back a long way with, um, their relationship with Nebraska football, so I think that's that's kind of a, an element that probably um, needs to be talked about a little bit more. Where um, yeah, there's a lot of newness, but there's also a lot of familiarity there too. And so with with Donovan, uh, yeah, he was he was much more at ease and you know, willing to uh, indulge questions far more than he was the first time around. And you know, I think a lot of it is he's an offensive line guy, and I think a lot of times linemen like that have a uh, mentality where you know we. We don't need to talk to the media. We let our playing uh, do the talking for him. In fact, I think that's what he said in his first interview. So it was good to see him kind of ease up a little bit because he's got a lot of smart things to say when he actually uh, is willing to, to give you some some expansive answers.
1: Yeah, and talking about that line group, just the style. I mean, we I, I did a Husker Chat Live offensive show with a number of the players, uh, and Brock Bando had some interesting just insight about what they do on the offensive line and how it will be different and you heard um scott frost say he liked how they got off the ball your nick henrich say something similar this last week and I, I think that really is the style and it's going to be more of an ing- aggressor where the previous style was more of a catch and release is, is kind of how it was described more of a zone block um you know where it, it forces the running back maybe to have to read and feel better and this way I think it's going to cause more collisions more physicality and just open things up more potentially uh, with the run game because the zone system it just it worked in this first year here uh, when you had Gerald Foster and, and Tanner farmer and and you had a couple pro guys on that line uh, but it just hasn't really produced like we thought the last couple of years
2: no and I think in the big ten uh, if you're not being the aggressor on the offensive line, you're already losing half the battle. Uh, and so I think that in itself should help with Nebraska's just overall run game. But it's I think it's twofold too, to where you're having a more um, physical aggressive approach up front. But I think the mentality with the running backs is going to change too. I was in with uh, Brian Applewhite's interview and, Man, you want to talk about energy. That guy has uh, enough to spare for <laughs> pretty much everybody on the team. Uh, and I think that is kind of already starting to carry over in his group. And you look at some of the new additions they've made, um, you know, Anthony Grant immediately stands out uh, straight line, put your foot in the ground, hit the hole at full speed. I think that's like the number one, uh, thing where they don't want guys dancing around, having to try to read defenses and, uh, figure out where to go. They're going to know where to go before they even get the ball. And they're going to hit it, uh, you know, going as fast as possible. So I think you pair that with a more, uh, attacking blocking style up front on of the offensive line and a more assertive, um, intentional running style from your running backs, uh, that should create what I think it's being called a more downhill style of running, which is uh, something Nebraska has been missing for a long time.
1: You're listening here to the Husker online show, Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, as uh, we talk offensive storylines. And I want to hit more on Brian Applewhite. What were your impressions? I was not at the Applewhite table. Um, Have heard nothing but good things about his style and his approach. What did you think of him in the interview?
2: Yeah, super engaging. And like I said, he's got energy for days. And, you know, if you go back and watch Ramir Johnson um, at the podium, that was the first thing he said when asked uh, about Applewhite. And I think he's kind of uh, brought in a, a new, I want to say, enthusiasm within that group. Uh, but certainly, you know, the, he's, he's ratcheted up the – um, just the, the overall vibe uh, of that running back room. And, you know, with the, the new faces, the new competition that were added this spring, will further be added to this fall with AJ Allen. Um, I'm really curious to see just how that position evolves because you could make the case that running back has underperformed almost as much as any position on this team. Uh, during the Scott Frost era. And so uh, other than the first year. And yeah. they, they kinda of
1: fell into Divino Zigbo. Exactly. I mean
2: they didn't really want it to be Divino Zigbo. Exactly. I mean it was a bunch of uh, you know carryovers from the previous staff that were the reason they were successful. So uh, I, I think that Apple White's an experienced coach. He talked about how he's coached every position on the team defense offense over the course of his career so he's not just a running back who knows running backs coat like he he understands the entire game and you know he's coached offensive line so he understands the intricacies of run blocking and how to maximize that sort of stuff so uh, I think he's going to be a very solid addition of Um, For one, just because of his experience, but I think his style is really going to connect with players and um, should have an immediate impact on that group and and, and hopefully improve the production from that spot.
1: And then Mickey Joseph, Robin, um, just getting a chance to hear him. I mean, God, there's so much there. I mean, Trey Palmer, I I, I think he's almost a sure thing right now, and I'm really, really close to also saying that about Isaiah Garcia-Castaneda. I mean, people forget Minnesota wanted this guy pretty bad. Arizona, he, he had a number, Iowa State, he had a number of transportal options for a guy in New Mexico State. And Nebraska was able to win that battle. It doesn't get a lot of glamour, a lot of glitz, but I think he could be a real game changer as well. Then Avante Brown mm-hmm. is all of a sudden the kind of the spring flavor right now. A lot of Avante Brown, you know, like to the point where down the road people are, I mean, you feel like this guy could be a captain, not, not this year, but maybe down the road.
2: Well, I mean, obviously, Mickey had a lot of great things to say about him. Um, you know, Scott Frost uh, even even mentioned – he went out of his way to point out Elante Brown talking about, um, you know, young guys that have kind of emerged over the course of this offseason. So those are two coaches right there. But then Bill Bush as well. Bush went as far as to say Alante Brown was maybe his favorite player on the team. And a lot of that just has to do with his willingness to do anything he can to get on the field. And he's not, uh, he doesn't view himself as too good to, to play kickoff or punt team or anything like that. And, you know, Bill Bush is a guy that, like I said, has seen first round draft picks at wide receiver, uh, you know, go start off, Making an impact on special teams, that end up having uh, illustrious careers, and I think he's starting to see some of the same types of want to and focus out of Elonte. So I mean, you got your position coach, your head coach, and your special teams coordinator all going out of their way to praise this guy. So uh, it seems
1: like there's there's a little bit of substance there to the normal spring hype. All right, when we come back. We're going to talk defensive storylines and more. You're listening to the Huskar Line Show.
3: I'm Alex
0: Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is Husker Online, your authority on
1: Nebraska athletics. Yeah, I'd I'd keep Nash in that group. Mosai, newsom has got to do that. Uh, Marquise Black's got to do that. I mean, those guys got to step up. Uh, Raquan Buckley is a good guy. But, you know, he's got to, those young guys can't be young anymore. You know, um, Jalen Weaver's going to get the opportunity to get a bunch of reps. So, um, you know, I think that group of guys kind of, you know, uh, rotating around those inside spots, they got to do a good job of kind of growing up this spring in a hurry. All right, we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washit. this segment of the show brought to you by the 2022 Air Lingus College Football Classic in Dublin, Ireland, as Nebraska will take on Northwestern in the first college football game of the season. Um, if you haven't got your trip planned out, there's still time uh, to get on the website, huskerstoireland.com. 2 um, You can get in the packages that include tickets, hotels. Uh, there's airfare opportunities as well. And, you know, another thing, you can buy tickets if you just want to buy game tickets and plan your own trip. You can get that done as well now uh, to the Aer Lingus Football Classic. Robin and I have our trips planned. Um, we know what we're drinking. We know what we're eating. Um, we know we're going to have a lot of fun in Dublin. And we want you to come out there with us, too, Robin.
2: Yes, I am thoroughly looking forward to it, already scouting what's around the hotel, what's near the stadium uh, to, to make sure that we maximize every minute. I envision
1: a lot of Robin Walsh walks
2: yes so it's funny like when we when i went up to new york it was for, uh, for the big 10 tournament in 2019 um that was the the first time i'd ever been out there and i just walked everywhere because like for for me that's how you experience a new city not by driving around a place it's just like walking around and like just oh, yeah. seeing people
1: in the streets and all that stuff i mean here it's just hard to downtown it's one thing but like can't like walk around like 27th and Pine Lake, you know, it, yeah. it's just different. Where, where I we think go. I walked like 10 miles
2: one day and when I was in New York, so I plan on doing a very similar strategy in, in Dublin.
1: Like we might walk to practice. Yeah, it's only like a half, mile, half, half hour, hour walk. walk. I mean, easy. Well, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. You should join us to uh, huskers Dot irelandcom and let's get back to what Mike Dawson was talking about. I pressed him a little bit on this. Who needs to have a big spring? Because when I think about all the questions and all the weaknesses, to me right now, I'm zoning on that defensive line because you're looking at Casey Rogers, who's out, and he really hasn't played a productive season since 2020. And then you're looking at Ty Robinson, who has had flashes of greatness, but still hasn't really been the consistent wire-to-wire player yet. He's had the flashes. Mm-hmm. Nash Huttmacher, you're, you're hoping he makes a jump. Then you're at a whole kind of cast of guys that you're hoping for. Colton we'll see his workload increase. Ruquan Buckley, Masai Newsome, Jalen Weaver, um, you know Blackwell. There, there's a number of guys in this conversation that nobody knows what the hell is going to happen.
2: Yeah, and I mean, with what they've lost, I mean, obviously losing – maybe your most veteran experienced guy in Ben Stilley uh, losing the, the heart and soul of the the middle of that defense and and Daniels Um, you know, there's, there's some very big voids to fill. And, you know, honestly, I don't know with, with how they, the immediate impacts that they made across the roster, other positions, they, that was the one void I thought uh, going into spring ball where they, they had too many misses. They they didn't get that one guy that was going to come in and, and shore up some of that depth. Through the transfer portal, so we'll we'll see um, going into the summer, um, you know, if if they're able to maybe add another piece to that mix to give it a little bit more stability. But you know, guy you didn't even mention is Tate Wildeman. Like, where's he gonna factor into all this? And so there's there's just a lot of questions. I mean, we think we know what Ty Robinson is, but obviously he he still needs to take some steps. Same thing with Casey Rogers. Nash has shown some early flashes and is getting talked about a lot, but. Really after that, I mean if that, if that's kind of what you're you're building around, um they've got a lot of work to do between transfer now and August. yes. And so yeah, like I said, I, I think that, that is an incomplete position group uh before the
1: season starts. Well, and even the loss of Feldarius Payne, we didn't hit on that in the opening headlines, mm-hmm. uh, but in the transfer portal this last week, Feldarius Payne re entered the portal, which tells you he's gone now for good. Um, and then Will Nixon, the receiver, went on the portal. Um, not a surprise on Nixon, but Payne somewhat of a surprise because I think they really needed him or thought he was going to give them some productivity. And he's a bigger body that would have, you know, played more like a D lineman at times.
2: Yeah. I mean, he's a guy that probably would have given him 20, 25 snaps a game somewhere
1: in that. Jordan Riley's lost too. Like when you look at that now, mm-hmm. like, man. Oregon better have promised him the moon as far as playing time opportunities because he was in a great spot. He might have been number one going in the spring. Mm-hmm. So out of those,
2: that next group, you know, not not Rogers, Robinson, Huttmacher, like who are you looking at as you know the, the maybe the next guy up
1: that that could potentially make a rise this spring. God, I mean, it's a pure guess, but I mean, I've always liked Ruquan Buckley's physicality, but. I just think the time is now for Masai Newsome. If yeah, he, if he, I agree. If he doesn't put himself to play, like, let's just say 20 snaps a game, I don't know when he's ever going to get a chance to play at Nebraska. Mm-hmm.
2: There's a lot of do-or-die off seasons here um, in that group. Uh, so the opportunity's there. I mean, that's maybe the one good thing, kind of like with uh, you know the offensive line, that, um, you know, with – what they have and just the, the amount of reps they are going to get um, over the course of spring. There's going to be a lot of opportunity for the Newsome, Buckley, Black, Weaver uh, to, to make their case uh, and, and see if they can maybe add a little bit more uh, clarity to that defensive line picture going into the summer.
1: Well then Robin, let's talk secondary. I was over with Travis Fisher and he's got five newcomers that are here already now. Now Omar Brown's not practicing. So there's four of those guys on the field already uh, going through spring practice and he really has his group divided into two. He doesn't really have ones and twos, even though Quentin Newsome, I think, is kind of a surefire one, and Miles Farmer's got to be close to that, but he's got what I call the old group and the new group, and he's really uh, trying to kind of – you know, keep those guys that way. And he goes, when I move a guy from the new group up to the old group and a guy from the old group down to the new group, it's going to be obvious to guys that they're getting beat out. So it will be interesting. I think Deshaun Singleton continues to be the name Mm -hmm. that gets the most traction. There's a lot of love for Marquise Buford and Tommy Hill. So those are the three. Javier Morton's here too. We'll see where he kind of factors in. Uh, but those are the guys that I'm zoning in on in that secondary.
2: Yeah, I mean, you look at that other safety spot. If if we assume Miles Farmer is going to be one of the starters, um, there's a wide open spot on that other side. And you know, Noah Gates has been here a while. The time is now. If he doesn't if he doesn't do it now, uh, Deshaun Singleton is well on his way to passing him up and potentially claiming that starting job uh, for week one. And, um, you know, I think the corner competition is really going to be the the one to watch there uh, just because of the the number of players that have a viable opportunity to, to make some noise. Um, you know, obviously Omar Brown is not going to be here this spring, but I think he's going to be in that discussion Then Buford and, um, you know, Hill and maybe more but then Taman Lynam. I mean, he's, he's played in games and so they've got, a lot of solid depth at that cornerback spot. But at safety, you know, it looks like um, you know as far as immediate impact guys that have maybe the the fastest track to winning a starting job, maybe Singleton's the
1: guy. Well, and, and a lot of it's No Pola Gates. How does he react this spring? This is his chance. Um, I mean, he's been here three years, he's waited for his opportunity. And I, I think what I like about this is I, I think there was probably a mentality in that room at the end of the year. That these guys are just going to kind of move right into starting jobs Mm -hmm. and fisher guys look look nothing's handed to you he goes in this world kids want stuff handed to them okay it's your turn it's your job now nope i'm bringing in people to compete against you for that job now and that is definitely to me added a dynamic in that secondary room with this added competition,
2: yeah, and that's how it has to be, uh, because if you guys start getting complacent, they're not going to get any better. So, uh, I love that approach. Um, you know, Travis Fisher, Fisher is one of my favorite coaches on the staff. He's a dude, uh, yeah. Uh, just, just because I mean, he gets the most out of his guys every single year. So, regardless of who ends up. Stepping up into that role, uh, they will have undoubtedly earned those spots and those snaps that they get this fall.
1: All right, when we come back, we are going to take questions in the mailbag. Abby Barmore will join us. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show.
3: You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com.
0: You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority
1: on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Abby Barmore are now joining us here as it's time to take questions in the mailbag. And uh, lots of questions. Spring practice started on Monday uh, as now... Um, Once the weekend's over, Huskers will have three practices in the books. Abby, what do you have to lead us off with in the mailbag?
0: Scott Frost mentioned the possibility of Turner Corcoran moving inside to center when he's back. What are your thoughts on that?
1: I think it's a possibility. I think a lot of it depends on what happens at tackle. We know that Prohaska is going to probably be one of them for sure. It's more a matter, can a Ben Hart step up? Can somebody else get there? Or... Or, and this is this is kind of like I think where when it, it, the way it could happen if they get a transfer, if they were able to get a high-profile tackle that could come in and start, then all of a sudden it gives you flexibility with Turner Corgran.
2: Yeah, and it seems like that's kind of the ideal situation long term is they find a better option at tackle and are allowed to move Turner inside. Just because I think that, you know, in the whole theory of putting your best five out there, he would be in that group. And especially if you can shore up a massive hole to fill in the middle of that line of scrimmage, replacing Cam Jurgens with one of your more experienced players. I think there's a lot of value in being able to do that, assuming Turner is, you know, capable and there's no reason to think he's not to. And then also that they can find a, a solid option at tackle to replace him.
0: We've talked a lot about um, players that are going to be, you know, surprise dark horses or pleasant surprises. But who are two to three players whose stock is trending downward?
1: Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, When you talk about guys that – I think Marquis' step is probably where one I'd start. I mean, I think about a year ago at this time, we thought he was going to be the starting running back. Mm. We thought he's going to be a 1,000-yard guy, and it just hasn't happened for him, and it just doesn't feel – like it's going to happen, so that's my guy on offense. If I'm going to go somebody on defense, um, I mean, there's a lot of ways you could go, but probably in the secondary, it just doesn't feel great today for Noah Pulle Gates. But we'll, we'll see what he does this spring. I mean, he can prove it this spring. But man, they brought in so much firepower. Mm-hmm. Um, you wonder what where a guy like Noah Pulle Gates is going to come out of the spring.
2: Yeah, and I think uh, just by the sheer numbers, wide receiver is going to have someone in that conversation when all said and done. And, you know, right now with uh, the immediate impact guys they brought in um, with those transfers, uh, the emergence of an Alante Brown and the fixtures and bets and Manning um, and even Oliver Martin, uh, where are that redshirt freshman group going to fit in to all this? You know, Kamonte Grimes, Sean Hardy, Latrell Neville. Seems like one of those guys is probably, or maybe more, uh, are ultimately going to be on the outside looking in, um, and then defense. You know, it's it's too early to say up front. Um, you know, I probably put a guy um, or, or maybe one of those younger guys. How are they going to fit in? Like the, the the Black Buckley, we we just don't know about mm-hmm. them. Um, but after that, yeah, you probably got to look somewhere um, in the secondary just because of, like Sean said, the immediate impact guys they brought in that um, might take some jobs.
1: See, the, same, the the defensive line, it's hard for me to say any of those guys because there's really nobody that's going to take their spot right now. I mean, they're it today. Now that could change in the portal. So, yeah, I that's why secondary and even like a Braxton Clark, you know, older guys, guys that have been here a while that just haven't been able to play, but a lot of it's because there were some guys that had been at Nebraska for a long time.
2: And I put D-line, too, kind of in the same vein as offensive line, where that's you know, we'll see if they add any more pieces before all is said and done. And if they do, that that will certainly change that discussion.
0: Would you be surprised to see someone like Henrich Hardwer- Harburg win the number two Heinrich. spot behind Heinrich Harburg. Heinrich Harburg. Heinrich Harburg. Almost as bad as Ooh. Grace,
1: our former intern. You're no, you're no longer intern status, but she mispronounced <laughs> uh, Barrett Rood's name. Barrett Rudd. Barrett Rudd. <laughs> and then a former Lincoln sports director um, mispronounced Rob, Rob Zatica's name. Mm-hmm. Zatica. Zatica. And, and, and the host was a Lincoln East alum, and he literally <laughs> lost it on the air. But anyway, what was your question about Hartberg? I didn't mean to get off track there.
0: Would you be surprised if he won the number two spot on the depth chart besides Casey Thompson?
1: I mean, today I I lean towards Cheva Purdy just because of what he's already done. I mean, he's played in games for two years. Now, granted, it's not much playing time, um, but I think when you just look at the body of work in the film and what's there and the fact that this guy was Mark Whipple's hand-picked guy along with Casey Thompson, I think it's set up for him to be the two. Um, now, will Harburg rise up? I think he's a great prospect, a great developmental guy. He could get there, but today I still would put my money on Chuba Purdy.
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess I would be a bit surprised uh just because of of all that being said but from a skill set standpoint um he's got a lot to offer uh you know there's a reason that you know he made waves immediately when he uh, arrived on campus last year so um he's got all of the physical tools it's just a matter of how far behind is he mentally with hand-picked guys like like Purdy um and then from the experience factor with Logan Smothers even um just to, to be able to, to close the gap on, on the competition ahead of him
0: robin what do you think has sparked this recent run for the basketball team
2: well they started playing offense uh they started playing (laughs) with proper pace um they were making smart decisions with the basketball um you know making simple plays not trying to win the game on every possession and they were playing team offense and i guess the next part of that not only are they creating better shots with all of that ball movement um, guys are making them Um, you know you get cj wilcher who's been on fire lately um, from three-point range. Uh, Bryce McGowan has been on a scoring explosion. Alonzo Verge is playing the best basketball of his uh, season thus far. Uh, and then Trey McGowns is getting healthy. So really it's all kind of finally coming together. Now obviously far too late <laughs> to really change much of the, the overall uh, tenor of this season. But certainly to play like they have over these last two games, get two wins, which you could argue are the two signature wins of the Fred Hoyberg era, uh, certainly had Ohio State game, um, at least gives you some positivity in a season that didn't have a whole lot of that.
0: After speaking with Bill Bush for the first time on Monday, do you th- feel like Nebraska's special teams is going to make a big jump this spring?
1: It should, and, and really just having a kicker and a punter is where it starts. I mean, let's think about the comedy of errors we've seen both at place kicker and punter. That is the special teams problems. It has nothing to do with the coordinator. When you have a freaking punter that can't execute a punt Mm -hmm. and a kicker that can't make 30 yard field goals or an extra point or an extra point, that's the problem. I mean, now the return issue, I think they've shored that up with Trey Palmer. Uh, I think Trey Palmer is a proven sec return guy. He's got confidence and they're going to put more starters on special teams. And, there's just a, a much more level of focus now, especially when you have a guy that's all he does for his job is coach special teams.
2: Well, and not only is that all he does, he does it about as well as anyone when you look at his track record. And even here at Nebraska when he was here, I mean, he Bill Bush is a proven commodity when it comes to prolific special teams units. And so uh, I think that in itself... Changes the dynamic. Um, but then you look at just his energy and his passion for special teams. He was one of the things that I love most about his interview was just talking about how, uh, you know, going into spring, he sat down with all of the, all the guys really. And showed him film of LSU. And he was like going on their kickoff team. He's like, that was a first round pick. That was a first round pick. That was, a, and just went down the list of all these future first and second round NFL draft picks that were on kickoff. And I think that really kind of changed um, the the whole perception for a lot of guys about what playing special teams is and, and what that opportunity can lead to. So I think just from a top to bottom mentality, um, obviously they've upgraded their personnel, but I think just the, the ap- appreciation and uh, attention to special teams is going to have a big difference. All right,
1: we'll go two more, Abby.
0: Of the several injuries that we know of, which one do you think is the most hurtful to the team with him out during the spring?
1: Corcoran, for me, is a big one. I mean, I'm not worried about Luke Reimer being out. Casey Rogers, I get it. You would like to have him out there. Um, But I I just think not having Corcoran is big. Um, I'm not as worried about Teddy either. I I think Teddy's fine. He could probably go now if they needed him to. The Corcoran one, you know, you just want to know where he's going to go this year and be. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, I, I would say him too, just because of the ripple effect his situation has on that entire offensive line um, you know we just talked about uh, you know if he's good enough and healthy enough and all that stuff they, uh, then they, they got themselves a center if not then where do they go from there and then does he go back to tackle or, or there's just a lot of dominoes that fall based off how good Turner Corker is and not having them him there that spring I think just kind of puts that whole conversation and development on pause
1: all right final question Abby
0: what is your favorite pop or soda?
1: <laughs> um, I'm a diet Dr. Pepper guy. And I was thrilled to death when Keith Mann, you know, they, 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 we have pop or soda in, in the press box and we're Pepsi. And somehow we have, we don't have regular Dr. Pepper, but they've added two spigots of diet Dr. Pepper in there, mm-hmm. which I was like, hey, this is That's great That's big time. That's big time. But, you know, I, I gave up pop. It, it started Lent and I, I did give up pop. Uh, for lit this year so if you see me drinking pop get on me (laughs) i will i will i'm gonna hold you to it
2: uh i'm a coca-cola classic guy i mean just straight up original coke and then dr pepper is a close second but here's the real conversation here do you you have said both soda and pop which one is it i say pop pop
0: Uh, yeah i say pop too
2: i always said pop but then i started changing it to soda i don't know why like I don't Some know people why. call it this Coke, all pop Coke. Yeah, and you go to down Texas or in the South. You want a Coke? I was like, no, I want a Mountain Dew. <laughs> yeah. So, what about you, Abby?
0: Dr. Pepper for sure. Yeah, Dr. I'm the Pepper's person legit. that I'm kind of sad they have two Diet Dr. Pepper and Not an and not just a regular Dr. Pepper. Yeah, I'm
1: it is. I mean, why why have two Diet? I have one regular, one Diet.
2: Because they know that there's so many Diet Dr Pepper fans around here, the and then guys,
1: didn't they give Sierra Miss the boost, or what, what? boot One of them got booted off
2: there. I don't know. I've not evaluated the selections lately, but
1: <laughs> I mean, plus it's been since '99. We've had the same pop machine up there for 20 some years, and I think a year or two, Keith Mann said we're adding Diet Dr Pepper. It was a, it was a great day, yeah. Except I've... for these 40 days of Lent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But all right, well that wraps up the mailbag. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk more Nebraska basketball with Robin Washett. Two wins in a row? They call that, my friend, a winning streak, Robin.
2: Hey, you know what? At least the closest thing we've had in a while to get to get into
1: one of those. All right. When we come back, we'll talk Husker hoops. You're listening to the Husker Online Show.
3: You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lipson Ads. Go to LipsonAds.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N ads.com
1: This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here. Final segment of the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Talking Nebraska basketball, Robin, as uh, Fred Hoiberg's team comes out on top. Two games in a row. Um, we really haven't talked about that as far as in the conference since when. When's the last time Nebraska's won? Not only just two conference games in a row, but two in a row on the road.
2: Yeah. It, well, it hasn't happened under Fred, tell you that much.
1: I mean, obviously, Tim Miles has had, had some really good runs mm. where – like, I mean, one year they yeah, it'd had it'd probably be two thousand nineteen I mean, since yeah, the last time they did it. I still can't get over, by the way, the year that they won as many games as they did, which was like I think the most Nebraska had ever won in the mm-hmm. Big Ten, and they did not get in the NCAA tournament.
2: Yes. It was probably one of the biggest travesties in program history, considering how good that team was the number of wins that they had. I mean, they beat Michigan. Yes, they beat Michigan, and they came a, I believe, a buzzer beater uh, against Kansas away from having two quad one wins. If they if they would have beaten Kansas, they're in the tournament. There's no question. Uh, and so for them not only to n- miss the tournament entirely, but then to go to the NIT and be a five seed to go on the road. To miss, uh, it was a miss- Mississippi, Mississippi State. State. It was like the, the, the biggest atrocity you could ever – Experience and I'm I'm still. I feel like fired Bill. I, about it.
1: It's like almost like Bill Moose like didn't want it to work with Miles and like he like was like give you us know, a five. There's we'll a f-. lot of speculation about that. Like it, it just <laughs> in terms of support, it just didn't seem like. I mean, there's no way Nebraska should have been a five seed that year. Yeah, and yeah. Uni- even in the United... I mean, they were a one seed in it.
2: You almost wonder if like Nebraska had campaigned more for their program and it wasn't just Tim out there going on BTN by himself. Maybe they get a little bit more more leverage. When I remember
1: that. Mark Bain back then like spoke at a lunch at the Lincoln country club. And like, he basically said that they were in the tournament talking to Bruce Rasmussen, who was on the committee back then. And, and it was not meant to be printed, but it ended up being printed in the paper. And it, it just, I don't know. It Yeah. That whole it's too bad. But Nebraska gets two wins in a row. Robin, they went at Penn state, which, you know, that, that was a nice win. I don't ever think anyone's like, oh wow, we'd be pins. I mean, but the win State
2: it- had won three of their last four going into that. They had the number one defense in the Big Ten conference, and so I mean, they were playing. That's a hard place to win. Just go to Nebraska's history playing at Bryce Jordan Center. It's not pretty, and, and
1: they don't they don't get a hostile crowd there. But it's just kind of a sleepy arena. to Yeah, and into. that's almost makes it
2: more difficult, just because like it's a uh, you know maybe the COVID season changed that dynamic. But leading up to that, like it was one of those deals where like it was such a contrast to every other road environment you play and you know Penn State plays a very particular style where they just muck it up play tough and uh, make you earn everything and a lot of teams like Nebraska in in recent years uh, had not been very receptive to that
1: you're listening here to the Husker online show as we talk Nebraska basketball they beat Ohio State though Robin would you say that's the best win of the Fred Hoiberg era No question.
2: I don't think there's anything even remotely
1: close. like. What would you even say is the second best win? Maybe
2: Iowa when they had Luca Garza here in Lincoln. Um, you know they they beat Purdue and Iowa in that first year, which is crazy when you think about it. Uh, but to go on the road against a top twenty five team uh, and not only win the game, but win it in that fashion. I mean, they, they led the entire second half, uh, and really looked like the better team from start to finish. You know, obviously Ohio state had EJ Liddell, but, uh, top to bottom, Nebraska played better, uh, as a team and they went and Ohio state had a lot to play for that dropped them out of the, uh, potential top four seed discussion. So, uh, you know, there was a lot riding on that game for Ohio state and, um, Nebraska, considering what their season is and, and was going into that game, For them to play with that type of effort and control the game from wire to wire the way they did uh, was by far the most impressive 40 minutes we've seen from a Fred Hoiberg team yet.
1: You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Now they go on the road and they play at Wisconsin who, if they beat Nebraska, they're the outright number one conference champion. Is that right? Correct. So there's obviously a huge, plenty of incentive incentive to for Wisconsin and the coal center against Nebraska, and that that's a Sunday at what time? Uh, One o'clock Central. BTN. Yes, we only play on BTN. Yeah. So I mean, uh, I guess there've been some other games not on BTN. They've had a few FS1 games. Oh, there are. Yeah, FS1. But it's always it's so random when like the Big Ten games go on FS1. I feel like it's not a Friday night is on FS1, right? A lot of times. The uh,
2: Iowa game in Iowa City was on FS1. I think actually both of the Iowa games were on FS1, if it's I remember right. The weekend games typically, right? Yeah. Not the weekday. Yeah, because FS1's really bumped up their Friday night basketball, and so you're Which, seeing a little
1: bit more Big Ten on that. Some like, and I like it personally. I mean, if Nebraska was good, like these Friday night games would have been awesome. Well, just
2: think about that, Iowa, that senior night, that Iowa game, uh, Friday night, FS1, you know, the senior night, home game, all that stuff. On it, it would have been the perfect storm for that to be in an electric atmosphere. But you know, well, and the season was what I was. say I
1: like the Friday because they don't give us Saturday as an option. Like, very rarely. The Big Ten is, like, the worst Saturday conference in the country for men's basketball. So, it's Friday or Sunday. Give me Friday every day of the week. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Nebraska's had a
2: handful of Saturday games Um Uh, Like, Illinois didn't play one Saturday a game. They got Northwestern and Rutgers on Saturdays. But, you know, again, those were at points of the season where the fan interest, like, it didn't have the weekend, the prime weekend window impact that it would have had Nebraska been better.
1: You know, and and I was worried, Robin, I'm still worried about ticket sales and kind of what this is going to look like next year. uh, But if they finish strong here and, and just play well down the stretch, I mean, that could stop some of the bleeding of some of these maybe lower bowl season ticket holders that want to not renew just to to go. But it'll be interesting to see just how that discussion, where that all goes. And, and we have a lot to talk about with this basketball program. What's it going to look like when the season ends?
2: Yeah, I mean, the way I always put it is Nebraska fans are no strangers recently to watching losing products. But there's a lot to be said for how you lose. And there was a stretch there where Nebraska basketball was not just losing games. They were getting embarrassed and they were embarrassing their fan base with the effort or lack thereof that they were putting forth. And so, you know, obviously these two wins are um, impressive in their own right, but it shows a lot about Fred Hoiberg and, you know, his ability to keep this team together for them to be playing at their best level of the season, uh, after 21 losses is, uh, I think something that is going to go a long way to maybe regaining some good graces within the fan base. Cause Nebraska fans are, are loyal sometimes even to a fault. And if they, if you at least put a product that, you know, they're not going to be completely embarrassed to go support, um, They're going to stick with you. Nebraska basketball fans have sat through a lot (laughs) over the last few decades. Uh, And so, you know, losing is nothing new, but if you're losing and you're not trying and you're not even competing, uh, that's a different story. And that's where the season was not too long ago. So this turn to end the year is really, really important for Fred Hoiberg to Uh, try to get some momentum not only within his program but within the fan base back to uh, you know try to get some some optimism going into next year
1: all right well it should be interesting this weekend Nebraska will be at Wisconsin Sunday then we'll have Big Ten tournament talk next week as uh, Nebraska probably a 14 seed I mean there's obviously a shot of a 13 Uh, they'd have to beat Wisconsin but um, not a bad draw if it plays out like we think but Make sure you're on HuskerOnline.com. We'll have full coverage of Junior Day this weekend as Nebraska is hosting a ton of visitors. Full coverage of Nebraska baseball and basketball.
0: Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your
3: authority on Nebraska athletics.